I want you to join with me and you to say, ask God to bless our time together in his word. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we come before you this moment realizing that we need an anointing of the Holy Spirit. God, we pull up to the master's table. We believe as we have done that, that if we're hungry, we shall be filled. And if we're thirsty, our thirst shall be quenched. Speak to us in a very real and practical way today. Challenge us, God. As you have challenged me, challenge your people today. May you be honored and praised through your word in Christ's name. And the church said, Amen. The value of life. Started talking about this some last week. We use the scripture, specifically the second half of a verse of scripture found in John chapter 10. It's the words of Jesus. And the second part of that verse says this, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I believe that. I believe God created us, desires for us to live an abundant life. Not barely scraping by, and I'm not talking about material possessions. I'm talking about living a life of fulfillment. One of my favorite verses found in the book of Romans. And sometimes we associate it with heaven and, and what's going to happen after this life. And it, but I kind of have learned to appreciate that verse for this life, and it goes like this. I has not seen, neither has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Now, I want to, I, I believe that for the afterlife, but I also embrace that for this life. I believe God wants us to be blessed. I believe he wants us to be in good health. I believe he wants us to prosper. I believe he wants us to live with the abundance that he intends for us. Now last week in the first of these two messages, we talked about if we're going to enjoy abundant life, we have to live life with the right focus. There has to be some focus, some determination, some resolve, some targets that we shoot for. And some of the ways we talked about last week, if you're going to live life in this world with the, with the right focus, number one, you must have the right positive attitude. You have to quit living life reactively, and you have to start living life proactively. A great attitude means a great altitude. Come on now. A great attitude means soaring high. Something else we talked about last week, along with having a great attitude, is that you must live life with a thankful heart, grateful for what you have. And, and if you really embrace and understand what you already have been given from the Lord, because every good, good and perfect gift comes from Him, because we praise God from whom all blessings flow. It didn't come from your, your parents and your ancestors. It didn't come from the bank. It didn't come from your employer. Everything you have today has been given to you by the hand of Almighty God. 
And when you understand that and you get a full embrace of that, not only will you live with a thankful heart, but you'll also live with a grace-filled heart. In other words, you'll start to, you'll start to want not only appreciate what you have, but you'll also be able to appreciate what you can give to others. The happiest and most fulfilling people I have ever met on the face of this earth are people that are giving people. And those giving people are people that appreciate what they already have from the Lord. That's what Jesus meant when he said, freely you have received, so freely you should be giving. And so we understand that, that if we're going to have the right focus, we're going to live life with a positive attitude, and we're going to live life with a thankful and grace-filled heart. But then, then we also, if we're going to live with the right focus, we, we, must be, we must know our purpose, and we must be willing to measure our progress. We need to ask the tough questions. Why am I here? What is my calling? Uh, using the spiritual measuring sticks that have been given to us, we need to ask the question, am I seizing my opportunities? Am I unearthing my talents? Am I unwrapping my gifts? Am I striving to hear the words, well done, when my time here on this earth is over? It's all about living life with the right focus. And so that's where we kind of spent some time uh, last week. And if you weren't able to hear that maybe go back and and listen to it through our facebook live or or get a get a cd but today i want to i want to follow up by talking about carrying yourself properly carrying yourself properly you know a believer's life can be very fulfilling and it can be very rewarding when they know that every day they have carried themselves properly in the sight of god but I can also tell you that misery and frustration and agitation occurs when a person is out of control in the way he or she carries themselves. I want to talk about two areas today. The first of the two areas I want to talk about is a, a spiritual uh, area, and, and it deals with a word that we call integrity. Living with integrity. Now, I want to tell you something. This word is not as popular as it was 10 or 20 or 30 years ago because not many people care about this word in today's time because it's a general feeling that integrity infringes upon our rights and our privileges. There are those in today's generation that would easily tell you that integrity is outdated and it's overrated. Their mindset is you have the freedom to do any anything that you want with your life and let me just let me just stop here and say this you may have the freedom to do about anything you want with your life but not everything that you would choose to do would be in agreement with the christian principle of integrity anybody out there this morning now let me give you a couple of definitions of integrity today the first definition I would share with you is that when a person makes, makes decisions and lifestyle choices that leaves him with a conscious that is pleasing to God. And, and that's one definition. When you live your life and you end each and every day knowing that your conscience is clear before the Lord. You have made choices that are pleasing to God. I'll tell you another definition of integrity is that when your work 
words and your and your actions are consistent with each other in a morally responsible fashion. And can I just say that just because we attend the same church and we sing the same songs and we listen to the same minister, it does not make us Christians with integrity. I, there's no doubt in my mind that there are people sitting under the sound of my voice that because of places you attend or shady practices that you involve yourself in, habits that you indulge in, you make your life miserable because of a grief-stricken conscience that has been emblazoned with the convicting fire of the Holy Spirit. You have compromised your integrity. You Sometimes your conviction that God sends your way, you kind of wish the Lord would just leave you alone so you could just enjoy your freedom. Let me stop here and declare I'm thankful for every single time that the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes down in my life. I was grateful for it before I became a Christian because that's what led me to an altar of salvation. But even since that day, I have failed God many, many times. I have sinned against the Lord many, many times. And I'm thankful not only do I have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ, but I have an advocate that roams about this earth convicting and dealing with my heart and leading me back to an altar of confession and contrition and repentance and making sure that my life is right with the Lord. I'm telling you right now, a clear conscience at the end of a day is a very soft pillow and makes for some very good sleep at night. I wish somebody would give a shout of amen right there. I had a young singer in a church I pastored a few years back. Stood on the stage where I, where I preached and where ministry went on and music ministry went on. And I remember talking to this young lady. She had been involved in a moral failure. And when I stood and looked at her and, and confronted her, and I did it with all the grace and the compassion that I had, I'll never forget what she said to me. It left an indelible mark upon my heart. She looked at me and she said, What I do with my life is my business and it is none of yours. And I was quick to let her know, if you're doing ministry with a compromising lifestyle, it becomes my business as your pastor. But her response, to me was so sobering because it seemed that not only was there open rebellion but the conscience was no longer stricken with conviction let me still remind the body of Christ that in the New Testament in Acts 24 and 16 Paul wrote these words and herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience that is void of offense toward God and toward man. Oh, praise the Lord. I feel like I need to read that again. Herein I exercise myself to always have a conscience that is void of offense toward God and toward men. Forget this passive, cheap grace mentality that somehow gives you a license to live any way that you want and still proclaim the name of Christ that is not according to the Scripture. 
I'm telling you, you don't have to sin every day. You don't have to fail God every day. Through the power and the demonstration of the strength of Christ, you can do all things, and that also includes living with a conscience that is clear before the Lord. I wish somebody would give the Lord a shout of praise. Second Corinthians 1 and 12 tells us that our conscience testifies to us about what is profitable and what is unprofitable. And again, it is so fulfilling when I can lay my head down at night knowing that I have lived that day without offending God or offending man. There's some things you need to know about integrity, though the world has brushed it off to the side. And remembering that integrity means, number one, your words and your, max, your actions match. And number two, your conscience is clear. The scripture says there's guidance in integrity. Proverbs 11 and 3 says the integrity of the upright shall guide them. But the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. The one without integrity wanders into eventual destruction. They're living, they're living any old way that they want, not realizing that it will catch up with them. And reckless living will eventually lead to their destruction. But living clean and consistently will lead you into higher planes of living that will be satisfying and also very rewarding. Not only is there guidance with integrity, but God places a rich label upon integrity even over riches of this world. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 1, it says, Better is the poor man that walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in his lips. And Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Can I tell you, this is a walk of faith. The day you met Jesus, you began a journey. And it was a journey of faith. Not only was it a journey of faith, but you also began a walk in the Spirit. In fact, the Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it is a walk of faith. And it is a walk in the Spirit. But I want to tell you, it is also a walk of integrity. The psalmist said in another place, I will walk in mine integrity. Do you ever get disgruntled about some things? I do. I get disgruntled about this one thing. When I run into someone that talks the Christianese but their lifestyle doesn't match up. They're, they're nothing but a bunch of hot air. There's, not, there's no integrity. There's not an ounce of integrity anywhere to be found. That's a person I kind of want to stray away from. Don't really want to be associated with them. Well, I thought you were supposed to love all people. Yes, you're supposed to love all people. But when someone is not prof when they're professing Christ but they're living a life that is haphazard and careless, they can tarnish your testimony. Somebody help me here. They can tear down your reputation. I'm telling you, if I'm striving to live like Christ, I want to emulate Christ. I want others to see in me, hey, this guy's words match up with his actions. This guy's words match up with his lifestyle. This guy I can go to any time of any day, whether it's Saturday night after dark in the late night hour, or whether it's the middle of the week when the pressure is on at work, I know that they are a vessel of consistency in their walk with Christ and that makes them a vessel of integrity before the Lord another thing about integrity is that God hears the cries of those with integrity 
The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's tough, isn't it? Proverbs 14, 12. It says, and as for me, you uphold me in my integrity and you set me before your face forever. What are you saying, preacher? God has no interest in profane living. God has no interest in those who say one thing and practice another. In Isaiah, he said, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. But then he went on to say, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and he will not hear you. In another place, he said, these people draw nigh unto me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Can you say today without a doubt that your Christian integrity is untarnished, without offense, inside of your conscience? One writer said, live your life so the preacher can tell all the truth at your funeral. Never preached him into heaven. Don't plan on starting now. Just won't do it. I've done some home goings for unbelievers. I've done some funeral services, let me clarify, for unbelievers. About the best you can do, and some of you preachers know this, is celebrate what they did on this earth because you ain't got a whole lot to say about what's going on after this earth. So carrying ourselves properly means living a life of integrity. Again, that means having a conscience that is void of offense toward God and man. Again, it means your words and your actions line up with each other that's integrity that's our testimony that's who we are but there's another area not only must we live our life with integrity christian integrity but we also must carry ourselves physically it's a hard truth a hard truth and this gets very personal because i'm talking to myself but a person that doesn't carry themselves physically is out of control. I don't expect to get a lot of shouts. Thank you for that one I just got. It's like the sign on the hospital bulletin board. Research shows that the first five minutes of life can be the most risky. And in pencil, underneath someone wrote, the last five minutes ain't so hot either. Let's be honest today, though some of our sicknesses are inherited and some diseases can be job related, and yes, there are some that are allowed by divine appointment. More often than we care to admit, a lot of our physical problems come from our lack of attention to our physical bodies. <laughs> we suck on the cigarette pump in the cholesterol, chew on the tobacco, and now we're vaping, risking blowing our jaws right off of our face. We social drink our liver to hardness, and we eat in excess or eat not what we're supposed to be eating. Several of us here 
we're just not satisfied with our physical fitness, including yours truly. You feel sluggish. You feel overweight. You feel exhausted. You feel drained. Maybe all these years you've justified your lack of discipline to say, bless God, we can't drink, smoke, and cuss, so we're just going to eat and eat and eat some more. Church of God all my life. I know all of I know the story. But let's be honest, our physical lives can get out of control. And when our physical lives get out of control, we feel no value of life. And therefore, we're ineffective in the kingdom of God. But I want to stop and make, just make this declaration as the Lord has dealt heavily with me about this this week. Our physical bodies are connected to our spiritual lives. And the way we carry ourselves physically is a spiritual matter. <laughs> know you not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? That's the Bible. My body, this earthly tabernacle, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to say this again. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to stand up here and preach this because I'm preaching to myself. But there, there's never been, and I used to watch this on TV. I always kind of scratched my head before I ever went into ministry myself. I watched one of these television personalities that I knew was a good 125 pounds overweight, and he's slamming every other bad habit under the sun. I'm thinking to myself, I never heard that man talk about gluttony. I never heard him talk about multiple trips to the buffet. Paul was writing to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 and 28, and this is what he said. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock. Now, he said, take heed to yourselves. That was first. And then take heed to the flock. There, there's no way I can shepherd you effectively if I do not shepherd myself first. Paul told Timothy, he said, take heed unto yourself and then unto the doctrine. For in doing this, you shall say both yourself and them that hear you. I'm always intrigued. One of my, if I were to select a, a group of books in the Bible that I enjoy reading the most, I enjoy the Word of God from cover to cover, but I really enjoy the historical books. I love Judges. I love First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. I guess because there's going to be some murder and mayhem. You know what I mean? And so I, I enjoy the historical books. So I'm reading in the Book of Judges about a, a high priest who who he fell off a seat backwards by the side of a gate. He had just got some bad news that the Jews had lost a war. And his sons had died, and the Ark of the Covenant had been taken, which represented the presence of God. And the Bible says that he fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck broke. And the Scripture said, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy. That's the word. 
Now, either Eli died because he was old and the news brought on a heart attack, or when he fell backwards, the weight of his body impacted his, his neck and his spine. Maybe he severed his spine to the point of death. But the point is this, mom and dad, you must take care of yourself with eating habits. Yeah, I'm still preaching. I'm, I'm meddling, I know, but I'm preaching good. You must take care of yourself with eating habits and exercise because the flock of your home is counting on you. And we must never be negligent and tempt fate with the temple that God has blessed us with. Maybe you heard the story about the couple that was married 60 years. They died in a car crash. They had been doing really well, excellent health. For the last 10 years of their, of their marriage, they'd been eating healthy and exercising regularly. And so they showed up at the pearly gates. Peter welcomed them in and showed them around. Took them to their mansion that was decked out with a beautiful kitchen, a master bath suite, a jacuzzi, the whole deal. The man says, boy, this is wonderful. How much is it? Peter says, it's free. This is heaven. So then he takes them out to view championship golf courses. Golfing privileges every day. Weekly course changes representing all of the great golf courses on the earth. The man says, this is too good to be true. How much are the green fees? Peter says, it's free. This is heaven. Right next to the clubhouse, the man sees the most lavish buffet with cuisine from all over the known world. Boy, his eyes get really big. And he said, how much does all this cost? Peter says to him again, don't you understand? This is heaven. All the food is free. And the man looks at him and says, where is the low-fat cholesterol-free table? And Peter says, that's the beauty of it. In heaven, you eat what you, what you want, however much you want, and you never get fat, and you never get sick, because this is heaven. Suddenly, the man's countenance changes. He goes into a fit of rage. He throws his hat down. He's stomping on it. He's shrieking wildly. Peter and the man's wife is standing there in disbelief. They're shocked at his angry outburst. And he look, Peter looked at him and said, what is wrong? And the man turned to his wife with glaring eyes and said, this is all your fault. If it weren't for your blasted brand muffins, I'd have been here 10 years ago. I've looked at 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, and I've, I read where it says bodily exercise profits little, and I've actually used that as self-justification. But if you go back and you read the context of that scripture, verse 7 says, exercise yourself rather unto godliness. What Paul is saying is exercise of the body cannot reap the level of returns like spiritual exercise of prayer and Bible reading and holy living and giving and fasting and worship. But this does not mean that bodily exercise has no profit at all. In fact, prior to coming 
here, I, as your pastor almost two years ago now, I worked out at a Baptist church in Mechanicsville. The good old Baptist spent $8 million on a building that had a hanging track and a basketball gym and a jazzercise room and an exercise room and a, and a weight room. It was a Christian environment. It was Christian music. People were modestly dressed. I made great friends. Why can't physical and spiritual be connected? We've had a walking club here. The walking club here is a trip. For some, it is a true walking club. I see several that come in and they walk around the gym. I see others, they do a couple laps around the gym. Next thing I know, they're sitting around the table eating some donuts. Doesn't change the fact that we have a walking club. Meet seven months out of the year. And when I came here as your pastor, I was, I was thrilled with that. We've now launched Women of Worth Fitness Ministry. A physical fitness circuit for ladies. Volunteer-driven ministry. Buck a day, $20 a month if you want to pay in advance. And, and this, is what, this is what the monies are going to be used for. People are wondering, well, what's, what's, this, what's this money going to be used for? Nobody's getting paid. It's all volunteer staffed. Monies are going to be used for two purposes. Monies that come in are going to, number one, be used to upkeep the equipment. And number two, to pay down the principal on that new building next door. Sounds like a worthy cause to me, amen? After church this morning, our leadership team is going to be in the fireside room to answer any questions that you ladies may have. So what's the hours? Seven to one, three to five, five days a week. Ladies, you need to plug into this. I'm just going to go ahead and say, you know, I've got, again, I come from Mechanicsville where for over five years I was working out at a church. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I think for so long we have kept physical and spiritual separate. And I think there is a lot to be said for melding them together. I would not be surprised at all to see our church provide more expanded physical fitness in the future and wellness activities and support groups. I sat down with medical professionals right after I came that are right here in this church. And many of them said to me the same thing. We need to expand our physical fitness opportunities. We need to expand our wellness support groups in the area. Man, I was all ears. Folks, your energy level increases when you eat right. Your energy levels increase when you exercise. And it leaves you appreciating how you feel. And it leaves you with more energy for God's work. Now, I'm going to talk to you here before I close. Chris, if you'll come give me some music. Let me tell you a story, and I've shared this story before. I'm being very practical today. We were in King George County pastoring our first church and I had this knot come up on my wrist. Don't know how I did it. 
don't know if I slammed my wrist against the headboard or Sandra injured me in the middle of the night. I'm not really sure. But I had this knot that was present. And I went to this little Filipino doctor. He was about half my height and about a third my weight. Oh, Pastor Jones, I see your blood pressure is up. I said, well, that's because I'm in pain. I had been climbing up and down submarines and aircraft carriers for eight years. Went from that into full-time ministry. That little Filipino doctor looked at me and said, we're going to get this wrist fixed, but I want you to come back and see me. I went back to see him, follow up. The wrist was fine. Everything was good. And he looked at me, and this is what he said. Pastor Jones, your blood pressure's still up. And then he said something I never forgot. He looked at me, Joe, and he said, if you don't change your ways, the next time I see you, you'll be on blood pressure medication. That's all I needed to hear. 26 years ago, 23 years ago, in 1996, I started. Started with the wrong sweat clothes, with the wrong tennis shoes, but I started. And for 23 years, I have been faithful at exercise. My problem has never been exercise. My problem is this. And one thing I've learned, there was some self-justification that was going on. Some of it goes on today. Brother Gene, on July 1st, I told my wife, when I got back from Chicago, on July 1st, I was gonna, I was gonna make some major changes. I'm telling you, I ramped up to five days a week. I was doing about three. So I ramped up to five days a week of cardiovascular. I was at the gym three days and then I was doing some 30 minute runs in my neighborhood. That was three weeks ago. But that same justification was going on in my brain. If you exercise enough, it doesn't matter what you eat. Let me tell you, that might've worked when I was 25. I promise you that's not the case at 53. And then you justify and you say, well, you know what? I'm stressed. And some of you know, man, I'm telling you, I can be the poster child for Lay's potato chips when I'm stressed. You can give me one of them full-size bags and I can take care of the whole thing in one setting if I'm completely stressed. It became a spiritual thing for me. We joke it off. We laugh it off. A few, a few months ago, I made the statement, all else fails, wear black. Whenever you go buy shirts, make sure they, the stripes go up and down and not side to side. We 
kind of laugh it off, kind of fluff it off. Three weeks ago, I started that. July 1st, had big plans, big dreams. Didn't change this. I'm killing myself. Cardiovascular activity. And got on the scales today, and I'm the heaviest I've been in my life. And you can't tell it because I'm wearing black. But I'm telling you, the Lord dealt with my heart this week. This is a spiritual matter. And when your life is, when you, you're not carrying yourselves physically, you're physically out of control. It's simple as that. You're either in control or you're out of control. So I don't know. I don't know if you're here today and you're having problems with your integrity and maintaining a consistent life that is void of offense toward God and man. I, I don't know if you're here today and you're physically out of control. You don't exercise at all or you have eating problems like I do. I don't know. But it's a spiritual matter. Because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you're going to see this for the, probably for the first time since I've been here. But I'm given an altar invitation and I need to pray. There might be 10 people join me. There might be 100 people join me. There's probably 270 in this room. But if your spiritual life is out of control and your integrity is in question and your, your conscience is got some offense between you and God or you and someone else, you're spiritually out of control. It could very well be, and each person is different. It could be physically out of control. You know, I learned a long time ago that slender people are not necessarily healthy people. I don't know, maybe I'm going to pray by myself, Chris. When I get done praying, you can quit playing, okay? So if I'm the only one that prays, nobody else comes, just, you know, I'll give you a cue. Carrying yourselves properly. Anyone else? I'm going to go pray. I am, I am going to put this mic down and I am going to find me a place and I'm going to kneel before the Lord. We're not going to have a benediction. I'm glad to see all of you. If I don't get to shake your hand after service, then we'll see you next time. But I, I, I feel the need to pray for me. But I got a feeling that I'm not the only one. So if you feel so inclined, to come and find a place to pray. Would you just stand where you are? Maybe you want to kneel where you are. Maybe you want to stand. Maybe you want to come stand around the altar. Maybe you want to, I don't know who you are. I'm not, this is not about us praying for one another. This is about us talking to God about our integrity. This is about us talking to God about how we carry ourselves in these physical temples.
I, I don't know who who needs to pray. Come join me, would you? Would you come join me today?